Hey friends, Dave Hagen here. We're way behind on emails, so that's what we're going to get after today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. Today, we're just going to get after some of these emails. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of them, and I think they bring up some really interesting issues. So in the studio today, we've got Nick Appel, as always, our announcer, and we've got Brian Reed, my good friend and, and cohort uh, uh, back in the, the, the legal days. Welcome, Brian. Good to be here, as always. I have this pile of emails here, so uh, let's begin. Let's get after it, yeah. All right. Dear Dave, this is from Alice. A friend of mine said they got some muni bonds. What are these, and why does my friend think they're so cool? Should I get some? Alice. Well, Alice... Uh, without giving any investment advice per se, a muni bond is a bond floated by a municipality, typically, or a state government or a local government. And the nice thing about them is the money that you get, the dividend, the interest, if you will, is typically state and federal tax free. Now, that's kind of cool. There are people that like to have tax free Money. They don't have to worry about reporting it, or they don't have to worry about paying tax on it. Um, and that's kind of nice. Now, muni bonds will typically pay a lower interest rate, but people are drawn to the, the tax-free portion of that. An interest rate on a muni bond could be hmm, 2-3%, but 2-3% tax-free is like maybe 6-7% pre-tax, depending upon your tax situation. So there's a lot of people that like muni bonds, retired people, um, just like the thought of having a muni bond and not paying taxes. Um, people that um, have higher net worth sometimes consider muni bonds, so they don't have to worry about the tax ramifications of that. Um, those are the kind of people that like that. They're relatively safe. I mean, they're backed up by you know a, a government, if you will. And uh, over the past 10 years, we've seen a couple governments uh, that have had problems making good on their bonds. But by and large, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty safe investment. I was talking to um, uh, an investment advisor the other day, and they were telling me that uh, some years back when California was in financial trouble, they were able to get state of California bonds that were paying like 5% tax-free. And Governor Brown came in, and one of the things that he wanted to do was write the financial ship for the state of California and they called in those bonds. You can't get 5% munis anymore. So, uh, uh, you know, they, they reissued new 2.5%, 3% bonds. And that's one of the things that helped bring California back into a situation where now uh, my understanding is there's a surplus in California, which is pretty cool. Do you know what the – is there a, a time limit on those? And is there a pre – is there a penalty for with trying to cash those in early or – Normally they have a term, but they're also bought and sold. So, you know, people can jump in and out. They're not as flexible as cash. They're not as flex flexible perhaps as a, um, you know, a stock uh, or even maybe a, you know, like a, a mutual fund. But um, they're bought and sold. People move in and out of them as, you know, as their needs be. So 
if you think that, uh, you know, not paying tax is, is your goal and, and uh, 7% pre-tax, 6% pre-tax um, is a good, re- good enough return on your investment, uh, uh, perhaps. And maybe they should be part of everybody's portfolio, if you will. Good to have some uni bonds. Good to maybe have some T-bills, which are, you know, as guaranteed as it gets in the financial world. And also some stock issues, maybe some municipal funds or some um, mutual funds. Um, so you have a, a whole handful of things, and you're, you're kind of protected from different kinds of risks. Or if bad things happen to one area or one segment, you've still got the other. So, um, yeah, I'd check it out. I, you know, to have something that's coming in tax-free sounds pretty good to me. And you know what? It's legal. <laughs> what else you got, Brian? Uh, we got one from Tom and Janet. Um, he's got an, or she, I don't know which one actually got the pay bump, but it reads, Dave, I just changed jobs and now make about 50% more than what I was previously making. Somebody was apparently underappreciated. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, well done. Um, which is better to get first, a bigger house or a bigger car or a bigger savings account? Sincerely, Tom and Janet. Well, Tom and Janet, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would think, how about the savings account, you know? Um, I know that in times in my life where I've got a, a pay bump, uh, the first thing you do is start looking around and go, oh, I want that car or I want, you know, I want the bigger house or... And before you know it, you're putting yourself back on the same treadmill that uh, you were on before. Uh, one of the things that, that we did some years ago is we were looking at a, at a bigger house. That, you know, the kids were coming up into five, six years old, and we, we were making more money. And, you know, we we're looking at this really nice bigger house, and we, we figured out what the, what the mortgage payment was. And we go, oh, we could, we could handle that, be a little tight. We could handle that. And then we realized that the property tax that we would pay on the new house was greater than what the mortgage was, the mortgage payment on the old house, right? And so we said, well, you know, maybe we can just make do with this house. It's a little smaller than we wanted, but it's, it's very nice. We're very comfortable. And maybe we'll throw some money into, you know, some nice granite countertops on the kitchen or something. And uh, we're still there. And maybe we've been there too long, but uh, we like low cost. And it's, it's way more comfortable now because the kids have moved out. So I think that, you know, when you got more money coming in, don't look at how much more of it can I spend. Look at how can I allocate it to my targets, to my goals. And maybe that's, um, hey, we're going to put more money in retirement. Maybe we're going to put more money in savings so we have less risk. Or maybe we can um, have more money in retirement and retire early. Maybe we can take a piece of that and go on a trip and, and um, um, you know get some life experiences. By the way, I was reading something. Uh, that was uh, interviews of various investment counselors, and they were saying that people were finding more satisfaction these days out of um, purchasing experiences than purchasing assets. And I hadn't really thought about that until of late. So people are getting um, having a more enriched life out of an experience, like a like a trip or something like that, than having a than having do I dare I say a Tesla in the in the driveway. So re- resist the urge just to stock up on more house and, and more car. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to think about something different. I'm not saying don't do it at all, but think of your, your big picture. Think of your big plan and how this might get you to be able to accomplish those things sooner or earlier 
And don't just put yourself back on a, you know, a, a bigger, faster treadmill. That would be the shame of it. But Tom or Janet, whoever got the bump, congratulations. Well Not done. too many times in your life you get a, a 50% increase. That's pretty cool. What else? All right, Dave. Next one is from Mark. Um, and I now know three people who have been thinking about this and have done what Mark is about to bring up. And okay. it's getting interesting. Uh, Mark says, Dave, I've been thinking rather than getting a new car, it might be cheaper to sell the car, get her scooter to go to the market, and take Uber the rest of the time. Is this a good idea? Will this affect my credit score if I don't have a car payment and I'm showing that I make my payments on time? Thanks, Mark. Well, Mark, I hardly care about the credit score thing. Um, gosh, I mean, if it's a, if it's a nice little add in, that's great on a scale of one to 10, 10 being most important to me, credit score is about a two or a three. I'm a much bigger fan of cash flow. I'm a much bigger fan of being able to control the time in your life, uh, you know, in the, in the days in your life and being able to enjoy that. So I'm not so concerned about the, the credit end of it. If it's better for your credit, okay, but it's a minimal concern. Um, you know, with respect to the rest of the question, what was, what was the first part of the question? Um, rather than getting a new car, oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah, wants, yeah. To get, wants to sell the current car, get a scooter, maybe he picks up a loan on the scooter, and take Uber the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like the idea of having a, a close, really cheap kind of um, uh, transportation. Uh, my son... It, he's driving a, a family car right now, and you know he, he's paying a lot in gas, and he was thinking, wow, maybe I get one of those electronic scooters. And if you're just going two miles to work and back, okay. I mean, it, it's a little riskier to be driving around town in a motorcycle or a scooter or an electronic skateboard or whatever you got. But uh, if it's not too far and you're going to be really careful, okay, maybe that makes sense. Less wear and tear on the car, especially if you're, you're paying for a car. Um, so maybe that starts to make sense. But the really interesting thing to me is uh, this whole gambit of Uber and, and Lyft. I remember about four or five years ago, a very good friend of ours said, yeah, you ever use Uber? And I said, no, I don't, I don't get those kind of rashes. And he goes, no, it's like you, your cell phone and a car shows up. And I go, no, come on. That, that's, that'd be way cool. That can't work. And now there's this whole industry of, of ride sharing. And... We've used it. We use it to get to the airport and back. Sometimes I use it when I take a car in for repair. It's very, very freeing. And after you use it a couple times, it's pretty cool. Uh, my, my folks are in their late 80s and 90s, and, you know, they still drive around. And um, I ask them not to. In fact, I ask them when they're going to drive around to give me a call so I can get my car off the street. And, you know, <laughs> rather than them having a car, I've said, look, uh, in, in the past when you really shouldn't drive anymore, you're kind of housebound, you're stuck. And they had people that would, you know, come with a van and they'd drive you to the senior center or something, but that's not really my parents. I said, why don't you sell the car and just Uber, just Uber. And we had to show them how to use it on the, the cell phone. And, um, you know, that was, that was a difficult learning experience because they're not tech folks because mm -hmm. they're, you know, in their eighties and nineties, but they can get anywhere they need to go by just hitting the button and, and my mama can get down to church and back without having to, you know, fool around with it. We, we put the address of home and, and the church in there and she pushes a couple buttons and Uber shows up. So it's really working really well for a lot of people. 
But take that to the next level. I know a fella whose lease, uh, he was leasing a Beamer, and it was like five-something a month, and the, the lease was up, and he didn't really know what the new car he wanted or what he wanted to do. So he says, look, I'm just going to Uber for a couple months. And so he, he Ubered um, to the house, to his office, to court, um, to the places that he needed to go, the market. And he said that his bill the first month was about $400. So he saved money by having basically a car at his beck and call with a driver. And he was able to actually do some work sometimes going to work when he's sitting in the back seat. So he actually saved money because his, his Beamer lease was like five and a half. Obviously, he doesn't listen to the show. And, you know, gas and insurance and repairs, especially on a, a car of that ilk, and um, saved a lot of money. Now, he did that for a couple months and he decided he liked the flexibility of having some wheels. But he went out and got a, you know, a, a, a very reasonable um, economical car, you know, not a cheap little car, but a very economical car. And he's not doing that anymore. But I think that his experience was that it can actually be cheaper to use Lyft or Uber, maybe rethinking our transportation needs. This is especially true, I think, with a family. You know, it used to be that each spouse would get the car they want and you'd have a couple luxury cars sitting out front or someone would have the SUV and someone would have the other car, the sports car. And maybe, maybe a family is just going to have one car and the other spouse Ubers, or they decide every day who's going to drive the car, who's going to Uber. Um, a very different way of thinking about transportation. And I think it's really cool, um, not only for the people that are using the service, but, you know, as we've said in prior podcasts, for the people that are using the, the service as their side hustle or one of their gigs, you know, I mean, it, it really makes sense to me and it's pretty cool. And I've never had a bad experience in a rideshare um, context um, in other cities in in other places at different times of the day, never had a big, big experience. I understand that, you know, one of their biggest fears is people who drink too much and boot in the backseat of the car. <laughs> and now I guess they charge you 300 bucks if you, if you pop your cookies in the backseat of the car, which obviously you shouldn't be doing anyway. But I mean, that's one of the biggest concerns. And they've had a couple of um, high visibility, um, bad exposures. But for the most part, these things seem to be really working and maybe will cause us to rethink how we put together our, our transportation a portfolio, uh, if you will, or our, our set of transportation needs on a monthly basis. So very cool question. Good luck with that. What else? Well, I'm pretty curious on this one, too. Let's see uh, if you'll tell uh, our listeners something that you won't tell me. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on where the stock market is headed? <laughs> one of those uh, one of those golden questions like uh, where's the market headed what's the meaning of life uh, how do I find happiness the meaning of life is 42 the answer is 42 <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know boy I don't have any idea and I wouldn't want to I really wouldn't want to guess but I got to say um, you know we've we've been in this recovery and the market's been going up for a whole bunch of years now what are we at eight, nine years in this, uh, in this recovery, seven, eight years, something like that. And it seems like maybe it's starting to top out. Um, you know, time will tell, we'll know for sure. Um, that's an, a question that everybody wants to know about, but, uh, how long can this recovery go? I don't know. 
I didn't think that it would personally, I didn't think it would go past the last election. And we're now, what, a year and a half past the last election and things seem to be going well. I hear people saying that they think that maybe the real estate market is starting to reach its current maturity. Maybe the stock market, although I think there's a lot of really interesting stocks and funds out there. Um, so maybe maybe we're reaching that point where it's about ready to, to top. I hear people talking about it more and more. And I think the more people talk about it, the more it's likely to actually occur. Sometimes I think the, the direction of the economy is a, a fulfillment of what people are thinking and what people are talking about. So uh, I would... I would certainly start thinking about the next dip, how, how bad it's going to be. I don't know how soon it's going to be. I don't know, but something certainly to think about because it, it can't, it seems to me just keep going on. Like it's been going, we've been on a, we've been really on quite a good ride for, for quite some period of time. That's my take on it. Another email. You gave me nothing new. I'm s- I, I wanted a tip. I'm sorry. I wanted something, and you're not fine. fine. You want a you want a good tip? Fine, be that way. Here's a good tip. What's the tip? Uh, you know, tomatoes at Vons, four for a dollar. That's a sure bet. <laughs> <laughs> no improbable produce. <laughs> Imperfect produce. Imperfect produce. Oh my goodness! Improbable. Maybe it is improbable. It is improbable <laughs> to get a potato that has a right hand turn. <laughs> Um, Dave, I'm actually going to field this one because this one's right in my alley. All right. It's saying, uh, Dave, I'm really sick of paying so much every month for my cable bill. Any chance you can do an episode talking about how to reduce your TV bill? Um, I'm going to answer that one by saying I'm putting my own uh, episode together. We will be talking about that because I did cut the cord. So I'm going to have all kinds of uh, insights, tips, tricks, things to consider uh, before you cut the cord, after you cut the cord, the little bit of an adjustment period, what you kind of go through, and um, it should be a good episode. Plus, we'll also have, uh, um, we'll be looking at the various cable companies and ways you can try and get lower rates with them, but folks, I am now officially... Um, a fan of cutting the cord. Did you know there's actually a cord cutters um, newsletter? There's a cord cutters. There's a cord cutters website. Yeah. How, how to cut the cord? I think right. it was. Right. Um, all you got to do is uh, Google cord cutting, and you're going to get some good tips yeah. and good tricks. A lot of people are doing this. It's affecting the the entertainment market because people are just tired of paying, you know, somewhere around two hundred bucks. A lot of people are paying two hundred bucks, including their internet. And um, they're, you know, they're getting tired of it. Um, There's options. We are no longer limited to cable or satellite. There's, there's other ways to go. The world is changing, and there's a way to save money using these ways. How it's changed. I remember everyone used to have, like, an antenna on your house. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I had a little black and white TV, and we, we, were, um, we, we put aluminum foil on the rabbit ears, and we were trying to get the... Sonny Liston, Muhammad Ali <laughs> fight somehow. And it was like so snowy and white, you could barely see. You just heard everyone yell, oh my goodness. <laughs> and we're looking. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and then cable came along. And then, um, you know, well, that's the thing changed. is that yeah. antennas are back. They are, right? They are high back. Def the antennas. high def antennas, yeah. you pick up all the channels that you would normally get 
And uh, guess what? It costs you $25 to buy the antenna once. Yeah. I want to hear your experience about the high-def antenna because I hear a lot of people are doing it. I couldn't get it to work too well, but for people in the right parts of town, mm-hmm. it's killer. It's free. It's your big networks. It's it's all it's that stuff. It's fantastic. And guys, I'm going to be walking you through the mistakes that I made so you won't have to make them. You can, you can learn from... That'll uh, be a long podcast <laughs> with all your mistakes. That'll be a long one. Hey, let's do that next time. Let's do that next time. Brian, we're going to have you just kind of lead the lead the show <laughs> on that. And I'm going to sit on the sideline and, and kibitz and comment on you. But I think that's going to be great. I've changed a little bit. I haven't completely cut the cord like you have, but... Cut it. I'm cutting the exposure. Cut it. Cut it. What? Cut everything. Just get rid cut of it. Cut the cord. It's time. Uh, I don't know. There's Take like a, back the power. There's an emotional connection there. I know. We're going to talk about that. You will go through three to seven days of... Wait a minute, where's my TV? You'll walk me through it. I'm going to walk you through it. We're, we, folks, we're all going to be okay. Will you be Will you be gentle? No, I am <laughs> not going to be gentle. <laughs> all right, that's next time. This is Dave Hagen, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. Until next week, this is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.